We are in a teaching series called The Great I Am, and we are exploring in the Gospel of John, Jesus made seven I Am declarations. And so we're spending one Sunday on each declaration so that we can really understand the fullness of who Jesus is in our lives. Right? God in the Old Testament, when he introduced himself to people, he said, my name is I am. And that's why he was known as Yahweh in the Old Testament. Of course, Jesus came and introduced himself to us, Yeshua. And then we get to know God personally. And when Jesus said, I am, he was making it very clear that he was God in the flesh. And so we've already looked at I am the bread of life. Last week we looked at I am the resurrection and the life. And so today is part three. We're going to look at, I am the door of the sheep. And so you can find your sermon notes in the bulletin. Uh, They're on our church app. They're attached to this video if you're watching it on our website. Or they're attached to this podcast if you're listening to the audio. Here's our big picture point today. Jesus is the door that leads to eternal security and the voice that leads to abundant life. So what do we do? We learn his voice, and we flee from all others. That's what we're going to try to explore today as we look at Jesus' declaration that I am the door of the sheep. And what we've been learning in this teaching series is that each one of these declarations comes in a a unique context, right? Last week, we read a story about, you know, his close friends, a, a trio of siblings, and how his declaration came to life in that context. And, and so we're going to look at a new context today. And the first thing I want to start with is, is understanding the metaphors that Jesus is using when he teaches. Because we're all familiar with the parable, right? And the parable being kind of a a Greek methodology where you use a simple fictional story that features human characters, right? Here we go, quick English test. If it features animal characters, what's it called? (laughs) It's a fable, all right? If it features animals, it's a fable. But if it features human characters, it's a parable, But parables generally only have a single metaphor, and they're teaching a single spiritual principle. So that's why we want to be careful with parables that you don't try to draw too much out of them, because then you'll start drawing stuff out that Jesus never intended. That's a parable. But I also want to talk to you about a mashal. A mashal is a Jewish or a Hebrew literary style. Now, originally the mashal was a one-liner. And we know this from the book of Proverbs, right? Pretty much every single verse in the book of Proverbs was a mashal. It was a one-liner of wisdom. Well, from the time of Solomon till the time of Jesus, the mashal actually morphed from a one-liner into a longer composition. And the difference between a mashal and a parable is that the Jewish mashal could have multiple metaphors in it, and could also teach multiple key points or key principles. And the reason I share that is because John chapter 10, what we're reading today, is a mashal. It has multiple metaphors. In fact, it has two of the I am declarations in one composition. So we have multiple metaphors. So what we're going to do is today we're going to look at the first one, I am the door, And next week, we're going to look at the second one, which is, I am the good shepherd. 
So this is a mashal. This is the style that Jesus is using as he tries to teach the people about who he is in their lives. All right, so now that we've got that established, let's read our passage. John chapter 10. Jesus says this, truly, truly. What do we know when we read truly, truly? Something really important is about to be said. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what the things which he was saying to them meant. Once again, every time I read the Bible and the disciples don't get it, it gives me hope. For all the days that I don't get it, and I don't understand what Jesus is doing, all right? Jesus just gives them this beautiful metaphor of a sheepfold and a shepherd and thieves and robbers, and they're all just like, I don't get it. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Let me explain to you my metaphor. I am the door of the sheep. All those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. Amen. And so you can see in your notes that there's really three themes that I want to draw out of this today. One is the door, one is the voice, and one is the thieves and the robbers. We're going to dig into this together, all right? So let's talk about the door. What does the door represent? Security. Security. So first off, for all of our non-shepherds here, let's talk about what Jesus even means by the fold of the sheep. All right. Uh, when you were a shepherd back in these days, the hardest time to keep your sheep safe was at night. For a few reasons, right? Because most predators hunted at night, so the wolves were out to get your sheep at night. It's dark out, so it's hard to see all of your sheep. And sometime you need to sleep. And so it's hard to keep your sheep safe when you're sleeping. And so to solve this problem, what shepherds did, because they didn't have a lot of resources of their own, other than sheep, is four or five shepherds would group up together and build one enclosure for their sheep. And this was called a sheepfold. The enclosure would either be a big circle or maybe like a big square or a rectangle, and they would build it with a brick wall, a pretty high brick wall that would be difficult to climb. They would even let vegetation grow over the top of it to make it harder to climb. And there would only be one opening in the wall. There would be one door, and they would have a gatekeeper who would watch that door. 
And so four or five shepherds, when it got dark, they would all bring their flocks into the same sheepfold so that they would all be safe for the night. And then they would shut the door, and the only person who could come in would have to come through the gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper would have to know that you're a shepherd to let you in. And even if the gatekeeper needed to fall asleep, he could just fall asleep and lay behind the door so that if anybody tried to open the door, the first thing they would do is wake up the gatekeeper. So the idea of a sheepfold was the idea of security. Right? If you are in the sheepfold, you are secure. And I want to dig into this idea of security because we need the proper view of security. Because we have kind of Americanized the Bible. Because in America, we like security, right? We are a tremendously wealthy nation. Even people who live in poverty in America still live better than most of the world. We have a different definition of poverty than, than developing nations. So we are a pretty wealthy nation. We are a free nation, right? We, uh, uh, we tend to avoid things like persecution. Uh, we, we, you know, since 1812, or I, I guess I should say since the 1860s in the Civil War, we don't fight wars on our soil, right? Wars are fought elsewhere, right? We just have this idea of security in America, that is different than what the Bible teaches, right? Which is why Americans come up with theologies like triumphalism, right? We, we always get everything we want. We always win. We're always victorious in the name of Jesus. It's why Americans came up with the theology of a pre-tribulation rapture because we're all going to get out of here before the suffering starts, right? It's only in America that we say goofy things like, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. No, there's people in the center of God's will that are getting murdered all over the world right now as we speak. Okay, so we've Americanized things. And so when we think of security, we think of we don't have any problems, nobody hurts us, everything goes right. That's not how the Hebrew people viewed security. Right? We can look through history and say that the Hebrew people throughout history have been one of the most oppressed people of all ethnicities throughout the history of the world. The most recent being World War II and, and the terrible atrocities that happened then. But it happened all through biblical history and even... Uh, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, those 400 years in there. And so to really understand the context of security, we have to recognize that Jesus, this whole passage in John chapter 10, he's preaching it during the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication, which if you didn't know, the Hebrew word for dedication is Hanukkah. So if you ever wondered why the Jews celebrate Hanukkah, it was the Feast of Dedication, also known as the Feast of Lights, known as the Feast of the Maccabees. It was Hanukkah, right? So last week felt like Easter. This week now feels like Hanukkah, okay? So, um, so the Feast of Dedication was happening in Jerusalem. Jesus was there, and the whole speech that he's giving in John chapter 10, he's giving during the Feast of Dedication. So what is the Feast of Dedication? Well, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, during those 400 years, Israel first came under the oppression of Alexander the Great. 
Then when Alexander died, his empire was broken up into smaller kingdoms. One of those smaller kingdoms was the Seleucid kingdom. And so the Seleucid kingdom took over Israel and began to oppress them even worse than before. And they had this king named Antiochus IV. He liked to call himself Antiochus Epiphanes because he believed he was an epiphany for all of mankind. Prideful much, yeah? Okay, so... Antiochus IV hated the Jews, and so he banned the Jews' practice of worship. They could no longer worship the one true God. And when the Jews expressed outrage over this new law, he had many of them murdered or sold into slavery. Then he profaned the temple. He went into the most holy place and built an altar to Zeus, And then he took pig's blood and spilled it all over the temple. And you know, for Jews, pigs are are unholy. And he forced the Jews to worship Zeus. He forced them to eat pig. He did many awful things to them. Until the priest of that day, a man named Judas Maccabeus, or Judas Maccabee, led a revolt against King Antiochus. And it took two years, and and there was bloodshed for two years until they finally threw off the Seleucid kingdom off of Israel, and they were free for themselves again. And that freedom happened in 165 B.C. And the first thing they did when they got rid of the Seleucids is they cleansed the temple. They got all of the profane stuff out of the temple, and they wanted to rededicate it to the Lord. The first thing they wanted to do was to light the candles, because you know that the candles stayed perpetually lit. They burned 24 hours a day. They were oil lamps, and it represented the light of God in the sanctuary of the temple. But they only found one jar of oil that wasn't profaned that they could use on the oil lamps. And that one jar would only last for one day. The problem is it takes eight days to make new oil. But they decided, you know what? We're going to be obedient to God. We're going to light the lamp. And that one jar of oil kept the lamps lit miraculously for eight days until they had more oil. And that is why Hanukkah is the festival of lights celebrated for eight days in December was the miracle of the lamp in the temple after the Jews had cleared out the Seleucids. So what does that mean when they celebrate? Now, I know Hanukkah now is about the lights and the gifts and spin the dreidel and yada, yada. But the Feast of Dedication for them memorialized that God delivers those who will worship Him no matter what persecution they face. Judas Maccabee and and all those who followed him said, no, we're going to worship God no matter how bad it gets. We're going to stay true to God. We're going to live his way. And God will deliver those. But that deliverance isn't easy, and it's not without pain. And there were many people who died in that war. There were many people who were executed. And there has been great oppression over the Jewish people throughout history, yet they stand and believe that God delivers them, that there is a security in the presence of God. Well, what is that security? If life hurts and bad things happen to us and it's going to be a struggle, what is that security? It's the eternal security. That when you're in the hands of Jesus, nobody can snatch you out of the hands of Jesus. 
Now, I know we've had this conversation many times. You can choose to walk out of the hands of Jesus all by yourself, but nobody can ever snatch you out. There is no persecution. There is no torture. There is no loss. There is no accusation. Uh, there, there is nothing that this world can do to you to take you out of the hands of Jesus. That is security. And we can find that security in a chaotic world. Amen? Listen to this. When Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep, he expressed his unique position as the gateway to eternal life. Only through him can we find true spiritual nourishment, protection, and fellowship with God and his people. That's Joyce Meyer. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 9, those who walk through the door will be saved. Right? Jesus is saying, I'm the door. I'm the only way into the sheepfold. I'm the only way into eternal security. And if you walk through that door, you will be saved. That word for saved, sozo, or sozine, John only used four times in his gospel in this context. And I was reading the theologian G.L. Borchert, who studied these four uses of, of the word saved in John, and this was his conclusion, that Jesus is the agent of wholeness, of eternal life, of secure pasture, and of release from the realm of darkness. Come on, that's good news. Right? When we're willing to come to the door is where we're going to find wholeness, eternal life, secure pasture, and release from the realm of darkness. Jesus said, you will have life and you will have it more abundantly. I love this. That word abundantly, parasos, means extraordinary, exceptional, or way more than necessary. Jesus says, I'm going to give you way more than necessary in your life. Your life is going to be so full of goodness and so full of my presence and, and so full of life and hope and dreams and power. It's going to be abundance. That's the security that we find in the midst of a broken, painful world. We can experience the abundance of God, and we can know that for all eternity... Nothing will ever take us out of the hands of Jesus. Charles Stanley said, Jesus declared himself as the door of the sheep. He invites all to find refuge, security, and abundant life in him. No one who comes to the door will be turned away. Everyone who comes will find the same answer. Yes, you're welcome in. Step into refuge. Step into security. Step into eternal life. All are welcome through the door. Thank you, Jesus. Let's talk about the voice. And the voice represents the theme of intimacy. Right? Jesus says, the sheep will know my voice. This is the interesting thing. If four or five shepherds are all putting their flocks into the sheepfold, the next day, what stops them from fighting over whose sheep are whose? Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Now, sheep, we know this, that sheep are tremendously stubborn, simple-minded animals. So I guess we could be offended a little bit that Jesus constantly refers to us as sheep, but then we get honest with ourselves and we're like, yep, I can be stubborn and simple-minded. Okay, okay. 
Sheep are tremendously stubborn, simple-minded animals. But one thing they're really good at is intimacy. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. So how do the shepherds not fight about whose sheep are whose? Because when the first shepherd comes to the door, he gives out his unique call, and only his sheep will walk out of the sheepfold. The second shepherd will come in, he'll give his unique call, and only his sheep will walk out of the sheepfold. Because sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And there is an intimacy. Intimacy means close familiarity. John Stott, the old theologian, said, to know Jesus' voice means to be intimately acquainted with his character, his teachings, and his way. It is through studying the scriptures and spending time in prayer that we develop to the ability to discern his voice amidst the noise of the world, as Fran so beautifully shared with us today. When, when the mind gets quiet and we can hear that soft voice, and everything else from the world fades away. And that kind of intimacy can only be developed through time. Time spent together. And so to know the voice of Jesus, to have that intimacy, is to know His heart and His character. And as we're learning the voice of Jesus, we have to be incredibly careful to take everything we think Jesus said and take it back to Scripture because Jesus will never say anything that violates Scripture or violates the character of God that is revealed in Scripture. I know people have used that to make a lot of poor choices to say, well, God told me. Well, no, we have to learn the true voice of Jesus, not the biased version of Jesus that we prefer, the things that we wish Jesus would say. No, we have to take the time to hear the voice of Jesus and to know His voice. What do we learn from this? Well, we learn that sheep don't belong to themselves. Jesus said when he talked about this idea of the sheep, he says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them. That word for own is the Greek word idios, which means to be the property of a specific person. Sheep don't belong to themselves. Even in John 1.11, it says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not accept him. All right, the first step towards intimacy is understanding that we don't belong to ourselves. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Our lives belong to him. We are his sheep, which means we go where he leads. We do what he says. We do not belong to ourselves. I love this. We know his voice, and he knows our name. It says he calls his own sheep by name. I just feel like somebody needs to hear this today. You're not just a face in the crowd. You're not just one sheep in a sheepfold. He knows your name. So the shepherd not just can walk into a sheepfold and speak and the sheep will come because they know his voice. A shepherd can walk into a sheepfold and pick out every single one of his sheep by name. Right? These are farm animals. 
Nowadays, we're like, don't name your farm animals. They're utilitarian. They're there to serve a purpose. Don't get attached to them. But apparently in Jesus' day, they named all their farm animals. And the shepherds got tremendously attached to their sheep. Listen, Jesus knows you by name. He sees you. You're not lost in the crowd. You're not insignificant. He's the one who gave you your name. He's the one who gives you your identity. And he cares for you so much, you are not just a utility in his kingdom. He wants intimacy with you. He knows your name. The voice of Jesus always reveals the Father to us. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. That word for explained in the, in the Greek is exegeomai, which we get the English word exegesis, which means to explain Scripture. Exegeomai means to make fully and clearly known. It is intimacy with Jesus. It's the voice of Jesus that fully and clearly makes the Father known to us. We know everything about God that we need to know by learning the voice of Jesus. Knowing Jesus' voice means recognizing His gentle conviction, His tender correction, and His compassionate guidance. It is a voice that speaks truth and grace, leading us into a life of obedience and fellowship with Him. That's Beth Moore. So let's talk about thieves and robbers. This was a key theme in Jesus' mashal here, were the thieves and the robbers, right? Only the shepherd could get through the gatekeeper, which means if you weren't a shepherd and you wanted access to those sheep, the only thing you could try to do is to scale that wall, right? And even if you were somehow gifted or talented enough or you built a secret ladder to get over the wall, it's incredibly difficult to get the sheep back over the wall with you because they are not light animals. In this mashal, the thieves and robbers can represent the devil, can represent false shepherds, which in the Bible means bad leaders, or it can represent misleading voices, those voices that would want to take you away from God. And Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal to kill and to destroy. That thief is going to jump that wall because his desire is either to steal the sheep, he wants to take them out of the sheepfold, he wants to kill the sheep, he doesn't want the shepherd to have them anymore, or he wants to destroy everything. He wants to destroy the livelihood and everything that matters to that shepherd. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the thief comes into our lives for the same reason. Because we belong to Jesus. Listen, the devil doesn't hate you because you did anything to tick off the devil. The devil hates you for one reason only, and that's because you belong to Jesus. And so he would like nothing better than to steal you away from Jesus, to kill you, or to destroy your life. And it has nothing to do with you. The devil just wants to hurt Jesus. That's what this is all about. Thieves and robbers. Jeremiah chapter 23, the prophet gives us this prophecy from the Lord. Woe to the shepherds who are causing the sheep of my pasture to perish and are scattering them, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the shepherds who are tending my people. 
You have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not been concerned about them. Behold, I am going to call you to account for the evil of your deeds, declares the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord." God is speaking against the false shepherds, the bad leaders of Israel who had scattered the sheep. They had used their position of authority for their own gain, for pagan worship, to live by their own beliefs rather than shepherding the people of God in the nation of Israel like they were supposed to. And God says, I'm going to call them to account. He says, but then I'm going to come and I'm going to gather them into a place where they can be fruitful and multiply. And I'm going to give them shepherds. In the New Testament, I'm going to give them pastors and elders, leaders of the church who can nurture them and protect them and care for them. So what do we draw out of this? It's that false shepherds scatter God's people and Jesus gathers God's people. And so one of the ways we know who we're following and what voice we're listening to is, is that voice scattering me away from the people of God or is that voice drawing me closer to the people of God? And if it's scattering you, if it's scattering your heart and your mind and, 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 and it's tearing apart your faith and it's causing you to question your brothers and sisters and it's causing you to rebel against your pastors and elders, that's not what Jesus does. Jesus gathers. He brings us together in a place where we can be fruitful and multiply. Amen? So what do we do with the thieves and the robbers? Well, what did Jesus say the sheep will do? Let's go back to John chapter 10. However, verse 5, however, a stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. So what are we supposed to do? Flee. Don't even listen. If it's a false voice, if it's a misleading voice, if it's a voice of the world that is trying to scatter you, don't even listen. You know, I mean... <laughs> You're killing me, Max. Max said, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of kids that are good at just not even listening. Hallelujah. Don't even listen. You don't owe that voice anything. Right? We can rationalize, well, you know, that person's been a part of my family my whole life. I should listen to them. Or I owe this person something because they did a good thing for me. Or, or, or I feel bad walking away from this relationship. No. If it's a thief or a robber, if they're just bringing scattering into your life, don't even listen. Get away. You don't even need to hear that voice. It's just going to bring confusion and brokenness in your life, and it's going to lead you outside the sheepfold where you no longer have the security of the Lord. Let me have the worship team come back up. we got to stop today. Hallelujah. The door. We have eternal security in the hands of Jesus. When we walk through the door, we walk into the abundance of His pasture. Hallelujah. We are safe in His hands.
the voice. Jesus invites us to intimacy. He wants us to spend time with him. As Fran was talking about the daily office, this has been revolutionary in our lives over the last year and a half of practicing the daily office, learning to practice the presence of God, learning to hear his voice and to quiet all the other voices. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. So let's follow his voice and not allow the thieves and the robbers to come into our life and to scatter the good things that God wants to do through our lives. I wrote this, heeding the voice of our Savior is the only thing that will gather us into the abundance of his flock and away from the scattering of thieves and robbers. His voice will always lead us into God's destiny for our lives. Come on, if we will learn the voice of Jesus, if we will practice intimacy, if we will choose the door, it will always lead us into God's destiny for our lives. Now, the path to our destiny may not be the straight line we would prefer. Sometimes it involves 40 years in the desert, like Moses, or 10 years of solitude, like Paul, right? It's not always a straight line, but his voice will always get us there. And we will walk in the masterpiece life he promised us. We will walk in the fullness of the good works he created us to do. And we will never leave the security of his pasture if we will learn to follow his voice. Amen? So this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to mix it up a little bit here. We're going to break out of boxes and do things a little different. You can even participate with us at home if you're watching the digital campus. We're just going to go into a time of intimacy. The worship team is just going to play quietly. And I'm going to invite you to get alone and get quiet. And so I'm going to invite you to move away from others. So you can get out of your seat. You can come up here to the altar. You can go step outside if you want to. You can unhook a chair from the row. Right? We're just going to get crazy. All right? Start unhooking chairs. And you can move a chair so that you're sitting by yourself. I just want you to get alone and get quiet and listen with your spirit for the voice of Jesus. And I want you to take a pen and a prayer card from the back of the chair in front of you. And when you hear something, I just want you to write it down. You're not going to turn it in. You don't have to show it to me. This isn't homework. You're not getting graded. We're just practicing the presence of God. We just want to learn to hear the voice of Jesus. Now, if you're not certain about what you wrote down, you can take it back to the Bible or you can find one of the pastors or elders and ask, does this sound like Jesus? And we will help you in that. He might give you a word of encouragement. He might speak to an area of your life. He might give you an assignment to go do. He might give you a word to go share with somebody else this morning. And you say, well, what if Jesus isn't speaking? Well, I'm of the personal belief that Jesus is always speaking. We just have to get quiet enough to listen. Now, I know there's those unique seasons where God does go silent because he's challenging your faith. But for the most part, if Jesus said that he will go before us and lead us out of the sheepfold and we can follow him, then he's always going to be talking. Otherwise, how could we follow him? Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray right now that this would be a place where the world and all the noise of the world would be silenced in our spirits and we could hear the still small voice of our beloved Savior. 
Jesus, would you speak life and abundance and encouragement? Would you speak assignment and purpose and destiny? Would you speak hope over us today? Lord, you know what each one of us need, and it's uniquely different for each one of us. So would you speak to us exactly what we need today, Lord? We want to be your sheep, walking in obedience to your lordship. And so, Lord, we need your voice. We need intimacy. We can't do this far from you. We need to be close to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, grab yourself a card and a pen, and just start to move around. If you're visiting with us today, I apologize that you chose a weird day to come to church. Hallelujah. But we're just going to get silent. We're going to get alone with Jesus. Go ahead and start spreading out. Move chairs. Come to the altar. Whatever you need to do. And let's listen for the voice of Jesus. Jesus.